afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program, your guide to a healthier, happier life. Today, we'll be talking about healthy habits. Uh, I'm excited for today's guest because I have no healthy habits. Oh, neither do I. I speed. I eat a lot of cheese. Cheese can be good. Mm. Oh, it could be very, Although, it's very uh, an good. an overabundance of cheese, probably not that great. Yeah. It's like a traffic jam. <laughs> it's like a traffic jam in your body. Traffic backed up for hours. Uh, Is that what you meant? Yes, people on the 405 right now are just going, <laughs> oh. But you know what? I But I love cheese. I could have it all oh, day, I, every day. For me? Okay, yeah. fav- favorite cheese. Name uh, it. Uh, I like <laughs> I like squeaky cheese. <laughs> Squeak! What the heck is squeaky cheese? It's cheese curd. Oh, okay, okay. From Cache Valley. Oh, there you go. North here, mm. and I like it because I like to rub it on my teeth. Uh, you can do that. With, you, know, you can do that with pearls. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. You know what? Talk about digestion problems. <laughs> there you go. Mm. Have you ever tried to digest a pearl? <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, what's your if favorite the oyster kind of can't do it. Forget I, it. I like. Um, uh, Oh, Brie. You I see, like there Brie. is the undisputed king of cheeses. Cheddar. Which is known as Parmigiano-Reggiano. No, no. Yes. I just ruined an omelet the other day by having a Parmesan omelet. Oh, no, Parmesan, is, you, you got to use it for the right thing. Yeah. Come on. There was an Italian omelet. So? With you... spinach in it. I thought I'd get something healthy in me, but the Parmesan didn't quite taste right. So you need I, a I, cheddar. When I came home from Italy, I... I was seriously contemplating tossing all of my clothes out of my suitcase and putting a wheel of Parmesan cheese into it <laughs> to bring home. Well, that would have been embarrassing. Uh, yeah, you especially just, at customs. <laughs> can I help you? Um, Do you no. have any food or any fruits you're bringing into the country? No. No, just this big just wheel of cheese. cheese. <laughs> it's not mine, I swear. It's, it, no, it's but in I, case. I, I seriously cannot. That's the only thing I can eat on pasta. Really? Yeah. Wow. I can't. I can't eat the fake stuff. I yeah, have no. to have the real stuff. You've had the real stuff. Yeah. Uh, I like brie. I've mm. never had brie. Is oh, it good? It's brieific. <laughs> it is so good. You rub it on crackers. Is it brie-tastic? You rub it on. That sounds weird. It's like I'm giving it a massage. You you cut it and in, into yes. small. Well, it's a creamy perfect, sort of oh, cheese. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I heard uh, some people actually wrap it up into a, a crust and kind of bake oh, it. Oh, so a little that baked it's brie. Mm. Uh huh. Oh, that sounds good. I'll have to try that. I'm hungry. <laughs> so am I. Actually, <laughs> I'm hungry. Hey, on the show today, uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to blow up this conversation. Oh yeah, I bet we are. Because today joining us is Dina Rose, who wrote the book. It's not about the broccoli. It's not? Three habits to teach your kids for a lifetime of healthy eating. Oh. And I'm going to bet one of them, avoid the cheese. One of the three habits. But that's how I get my kids to eat broccoli. That's the only way Actually, I get my no, kids I don't. to eat my, I, I have a child whose favorite food is Brussels sprouts, by the way. Really? What? Yes. She sounds sick. No, she's not. Are you sure? Yep. Take her in. And, she, and broccoli. Really? She, yes. You've bribed her. No. 
Not at all. What child would eat a Brussels sprout without... And top it off, asparagus. <gasps> she sounds like a saint. Yeah, she has superpowers. That is That's her what superpower. I'm Does yeah. she have friends? Yes. Okay. So she's normal in every way. Yeah. And she'll eat salmon like there's no tomorrow. What? Mm. Oh, yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> she'll even eat fish to boot. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't have a child that will have a vegetable. Yeah. My other children are kind of like that. Uh, French fries. That's a vegetable. In my house, it is. <laughs> I guess actually the potato is a vegetable. Mm. The fry is just how we made it heavenly. But it's it's from another country. It's French. Mm-hmm. I'm hungry. This is probably a bad topic today. <laughs> but I'm thinking so. Today we're going to be talking about healthy habits. Uh, we've got um, we got really a great show. Heather's going to be joining us later. That's true. Heather Johnson. She's the queen of getting us active and doing things. Uh, I'm going to give you a little coaching corner. Tons of fun. And it was sad because we had a, we had an extended weekend because mm-hmm. uh, it was UEA, Utah Educational. U- Utah Education Association. Association. The teachers all go have meetings. Convention. Yeah. I think it's really so the families can have more time together. And so – but we, we didn't go they all go They all go out hunting. Yeah. They all go hunting. It's, it's the hunting break quite yeah. honestly. That's why I like Deer Hunter 2014. Thank you. Because I didn't even need to leave my house. I actually stayed home and then cleaned my garage. Oh. Mm-hmm. And pulled my oblique. That's – Didn't even know I had an oblique. Oh. Apparently I've got two But of you them. can pull it. I pulled it bad. And I guess I asked how I pulled it. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to know. Cleaning my garage. Okay. Were you lifting something? I don't remember. Oh. So afterwards, I passed out. Oh, I see. And nine one one was called. <laughs> You're such a drama queen. Oh my god, drama queen. Have you ever pulled an oblique? No. Get over here. I pulled. I'll something. pull your oblique. <laughs> yeah. Serious. I, it was. It was bad. Like I. I had to just stop with my arm in the air mm. and just breathe. Anyway, it was. A, so I did that. That wasn't fun. I went to a couple movies. Mm-hmm. I, our kids fight about going to movies. Oh. So how do you – that's what we're going to talk about. How do we instill habits of health and life and just healthy lifestyle if your kids are going to be a jerk about it? My guess is the first thing is to have patience with it. Nah. Probably. Or add cheese. There you go. When in doubt. Add cheese. Add some cheese. Cheddar. Mm. <laughs> Cheddar. Hey, uh, let's get to our headlines. Headliners from The Matt Townsend Show, a summary of stories that you might have missed. Have we missed any stories, Sean? Well, this one I kind of missed, actually, uh, out of New York. Uh, This is from uh, Reuters. Uh, Families who express more warmth, group enjoyment, and positive reinforcement at family meals have children with reduced risk of obesity. Hold it. So families that eat in a warm, healthy way and are are enjoying each other's company. And that's not the food. Yeah. They're they're just having good company. Exactly. They're more likely to be they're less likely to gain weight and become obese. Yep. 120 children ages six to 12 families in the Minneapolis St. Paul area they, who reported eating dinner as a family last week were studied, and they had family meals that were video recorded on iPads for oh. an eight day period. Okay. And kids who were not overweight were more likely than overweight kids to have family meals last longer for yeah. one thing. Yeah. And to have a father or a stepfather present. 
Interesting. Overall, dinners lasted about 16 minutes, an average of 18 minutes for healthy weight kids and 13.5 minutes for overweight kids. See, so that makes sense because if you have a family unit that's going to sit down and consume a meal, Mm -hmm. the meal may be more homemade versus hot pockety. Check this one out, though. 80% of healthy weight kids ate dinner with their families in a kitchen Hmm. compared to 55% of overweight kids. And more families of overweight kids tended to eat eat in a family room, office, or a bedroom. Oh, yeah. See, this talks about your family life mm-hmm. really sets up it your does. healthy eating habits. And families with more warmth and nurturing, as rated by researchers observing the videos, were less likely to have overweight or obese children. Mm. Hostility, inconsistent discipline, and permissive parent parental attitudes were associated with increased likelihood of childhood obesity. So parenting is a lot. So uh, here the president's wife, Michelle Obama, Mm -hmm. is in the battle of her life. She's she's I think she's fighting the wrong thing. She's trying to get kids to eat turnips. But really, she just needs to get families being families. This was all done by the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Minnesota Hmm. in Minneapolis. Now, these findings, they want to state. Our own, they only identify associations between meal habits and childhood obesity and do not prove that mealtime dynamics cause obesity. Right. Yeah. So, but if your parents like nag on you the whole day, you're probably going to go to your room and eat some right. Twinkies. Exactly. Depressive eating. Kind of. That's sad. Uh, well, on the show, we've got a pro. Dina Rose is going to be joining us. She really, she's been studying this forever. She has a PhD in sociology from Duke University. She's going to let us in on all the secrets, my friends. Today is the day. If you've tried uh, over the years to get your kids, your grandkids to eat healthier, today we're going to be working on the habits. How do you uh, foster healthier eating habits, healthier lifestyle habits? That's today's show, folks. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dina Rose will be here, author of the book, It's Not About the Broccoli. Three habits to teach your kids for a lifetime of healthy eating. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. I feel good now by James Brown. There's nothing like a song that gets everybody just shaking it. And uh, if you could see what I see, you'd wish the song would end. They just keep shaking it in I'm my studio. I'm sorry. It's everybody. It's hey. kind of giving me the chills. I'm not shimmying at all. So, oh, well, you know. That wasn't a shimmy? No. Okay. We'll just chalk it up to a shake. involuntary shake of the body <laughs> by Sean O'Neill. Hey, welcome back to the program. Today we're talking about... Healthy eating habits, which we all need. And wouldn't it be great if we could get our children enrolled into this idea of eating healthier, happier? Uh, Well, we've got the pro today. Uh, Dina Rose is her name. She has a Ph.D. in sociology from Duke University and more than 15 years experience teaching um, as uh, working as a teacher and in research. And what she's done is she's combined this unique combination of her expertise as a sociologist and a mother to help parents solve their kids' eating problems by focusing on the root of the problem, eating habits, not nutrition. So she also, by the way, is the author of the book we've been talking a lot about. It's not about the broccoli. For heaven's sakes, it's not about the broccoli. It doesn't mean, you know, 
We always think if our kids would just eat the broccoli, they're going to be so much happier. But it's not about the broccoli. And what we're going to get into is three habits to teach your kids for a lifetime of healthy eating. Again, Dina Rose is her name. Dina, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hi, Matt. I'm so pleased to be here. So great to have you. And they need to go to your website. It's not about nutrition.com. Is that the name of the site? That is. That's right. It's not about nutrition.com, which is interesting because nutrition confuses me. Why is that? I don't know. It's just there's it just seems like, you know, sometimes there's good fats and bad fats. There's good calories and empty calories. And I don't know. And so it's it, maybe it's because I don't have any science in my body. Um, it's because it changes all the time. It does. You know what confuses me? What? Are we supposed to eat eggs or not eat eggs? Right. There you go. <laughs> There you go. My, you know what my answer is? Of course we eat eggs, <laughs> especially in an omelet. Oh, That's right. <laughs> or poached eggs are great, too. Uh, anyway, I digress. Uh, Dina's on the phone. Now, Dina, start, teach us here. I mean, you're a mom and a, a sociologist, so the sociologist in you, I'm sure, is what helps you know how to empower and motivate kids. But then there's the mom in you that gets the basic idea that, you know, these kids have got to eat better. Well, exactly. And actually what happened to me is that when I was pregnant with my daughter, she's a teenager now, my mother died of obesity-related illnesses. And so when my daughter was born, I really was consumed with asking the question, how do you teach kids to eat right? And because I'm a sociologist, I really had a sense that we had to think about habits, not about nutrition. And what I learned through the studies that I did was that If you teach habits, which is really the behavior, like how you make decisions about what to eat and when to eat and what to eat, if you teach that, the good nutrition comes along for the ride. But if you focus on the nutrition, and our society is obsessed with talking about nutrition, if you focus on that, then parents a lot of times inadvertently teach their kids bad eating habits. And so we've got to kind of like reverse our mindset here. I love that. And to me, it seems like sometimes, because I already know it, I know that if I eat after 8 p.m. at night, I'm not, it's not going to, I'm not, it's not going to go well. I'm going to feel <laughs> sick. I'm, and usually I'm not eating anything healthy. I mean, how often do you pull out a salad at nine o'clock at night? Well, that's what I was going to say. It's probably because that's when the cookies or the ice cream show up. That's right. That's exactly right. So, but just the habit of knowing that I, my body can't have food after nine or eight, um, just that simple habit can change a life. So it sounds like you've been researching other habits that, um, that are, that are core to creating a healthier lifestyle. Yeah, well, it turns out that there are only three habits that translate everything you need to know about nutrition into behavior. And I didn't make them up. It's when I was doing research, you know, like a decade ago when I was looking at the information on the USDA website about the food pyramid, I came across these three words and it was like my big aha moment. So I just thought, why aren't we talking about these three things instead of nutrition? And here they are. Okay. It's proportion. Okay. Eating healthy foods more frequently than everything else. Okay. It's variety, eating different foods from meal to meal and day to day, and it's moderation, which is basically sort of the portion size, how much are you eating, but it's eating when you're hungry and stopping when you're full and not eating because you're bored, sad, or lonely. Oh, man. Well, you just ruined my day. (laughs) That's my eating habit. (laughs) I break all of those rules. So proportions, variety, moderation. 
That's right. And we talk about them in society sort of under this catch-all phrase called balance. Yeah. But when a word means multiple things, it becomes kind of useless. So I find that parents get a lot of help by thinking about these three habits directly, and then they can start thinking about how to teach their kids these habits. Oh, I love it. I really do. So so maybe let's get into some of these. Um, So proportion is just eating healthy, not sizes, because that was moderation— uh, healthy, right. b- balanced meals? What is that what that is? Well, it really means um, spending most of your diet eating the healthy fruits and vegetables, the good chicken, um, not fried foods, and not the junk. And what happens with our children is that we've got these conflicting beliefs in society. You know, we think that it's important for kids to eat nutritious foods, but we also think that kids can't be expected to like nutritious food. Yeah. So then, then we feed them things like chicken nuggets or pizza or sweetened yogurts. And these foods, you know, let's be honest, they're not the healthiest foods. Right. So we're feeding our kids sort of from, it's not the bottom of the barrel, but it's like the middle of the barrel. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, and yeah, and what happens is not only have we sort of dumbed down the diet so that's not really healthy, but every time we feed them these foods that are really high in sugar and salt and fat, we're pushing our kids' taste preferences mm. towards the junky food and away from the healthy food. And so if our goal is to get them to eat fruits and vegetables and other things like that, and we're training them to like other kinds of foods, it makes it harder to make sure that their diet is dominated by the truly healthy stuff. So, yeah, we're like fighting against ourselves. Yeah, it's, it's a way in which it's what I call parents do with what I call the at-least diet. So they know they want to get their kids to eat nutrients. And so they start saying, well, at least this has protein in it, or at least <laughs> it has calcium in, yeah. it, in it. But they're not really thinking about about um, shaping their kids' taste preferences. Yeah. And, and really, those are formed a lot more than they're found. Oh, that's interesting. So we kind of form their taste preference, because it seems like we've we've malformed or misformed all of our children's right. taste preferences, because they seem to just go to, I guess, you know, we, we very much live the at least diet. I mean, that's yeah. that's kind of our – it's sad. But, I mean, at least it's not a carcinogen. I mean, that's kind of how we think. <laughs> well, it won't kill you, but well, right. but we are exactly. forming taste habits. We are, and uh, and in the long run, those habits can kill you, but we don't need to be dramatic about it. No. Um, <laughs> but parents think, you know, that kids come with predetermined taste preferences, and, and they kind of do. You know, it's very easy to like sweet things, and it's very easy to like, like sort of fatty things, and kids do come with that preference. But really, if you look at how kids eat around the world, it becomes clear that what kids like to eat is formed by the culture that they live in. So Indian kids eat Indian food, Mexican kids eat Mexican food, and our kids eat hot dogs. <laughs> we are so cultureless. <laughs> I mean, really, if I could get my kids to eat some Indian food, that'd be a great thing. My my sister um, was a, a working mom, and but they were chefs as her, uh-huh. she and her husband, and they their children eat everything and love yeah. everything and try everything. Um, it really is. It's something. It seems like we we need to risk and try more. I guess one of the things we found in some of our research is a lot of this healthy food is just flat out expensive. It's more expensive. 
Well, we can start to work on expanding our kids' taste preferences and getting them to eat healthier food without having to dive into the deep end and go for the really expensive stuff. And you don't even really need to know how to cook well. I want to tell you that there are a lot of chefs out there who have kids who won't eat the food that they prepare. <laughs> so some of it's about cooking. Yeah, but yeah. a lot of it is really about knowing how to teach kids to expand their taste preferences, how to know how to set boundaries and to do what's called authoritative parenting, which is this combination of structure and warmth that that parents are told all the time that that's the ideal method. And it works whether it's teaching your kids how to go to sleep or teaching them yeah. how to do their homework or teaching them how to eat. You know, it, it's you just that there's the sociologist just came out of you because it's it really it reminds me of when we had our children and we were trying to get them to feed and um, how hard it was to breastfeed. And it was almost like, oh, I hope they get it. I, oh, I hope, they, I hope it works. And it's almost like we don't get that we're players in, in teaching our children healthy eating habits. It's not like they're just born knowing how to, you know, suck or not. I mean, they know. Mm-hmm. It's just right. you have to know how to teach and how to train the child in this process. Yes, but unfortunately for most parents, the kind of advice that has entered into our public dialogue about it, like take your kids to the grocery store or model healthy eating habits or cook with them, they don't go so far to actually overcome some of the problems that we're, we're creating at the same time. So those are kind of passive techniques. And so parents don't really ever hear about the active kind of techniques that they can use to teach kids healthy eating habits. Okay, well, that's what we're going to talk about. We've got Dina Rose on the phone, um, the author of the book, It's Not About the Broccoli, folks, Three Habits to Teach Your Kids for a Lifetime of Healthy Eating. We've already learned a bunch of them. Uh, We're going to come back. uh, We've talked about the habit of proportions, variety, moderation. When we come back, she's going to continue to teach us about this active parenting approach where we're going to teach them actively how to take uh, have healthier eating habits. We'll take a break. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Doesn't kill you, makes you stronger. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger, folks, even if it's broccoli bathed in cheddar cheese. Mm. We're going to go to our guests, see if that's the appropriate way to tempt your children into eating vegetables. I say cheese it up, a little bacon crumble on top. How could you not go wrong? Dina Rose is joining us. Dina has a website you've got to go check out. It's notaboutnutrition.com. Maybe the best way to teach your children about healthy eating is not by focusing on the nutrition, but focus on the habits. Focus on how they go about eating, the habits around eating, empowering you parents. That's her goal, to raise kids who eat right. Uh, Dina Rose is her name. She's the author of the book, It's Not About the Broccoli, uh, three Habits to Teach Your Kids for a Lifetime of Healthy Eating. And she's back uh, again with us to talk about this aggressive, uh, I don't know, not aggressive, that sounds, but just authoritative parenting approach with your kids when it comes to their food. Dina, welcome back to the show. Hi. 
So I want to say you're right on the right track when you start talking about putting some cheese on the broccoli mm. or putting some bacon on the broccoli. Yes. But here's where parents make the mistake. Okay. Is that they find something like a cheese sauce, they put it on the broccoli, and it works, and then they do it every single day. Ah. And then that becomes the, that, well, that's the only way that he'll eat the broccoli. And See, so that's it. Then, then they start teaching an unintended lesson, which is the opposite of variety. It's monotony. We have, you know, we eat the same thing all the time. So if you're going to use the cheese, use it, use it here and there. Yeah, once in a while. Single. Exactly. But what if they don't but, eat the broccoli when we don't use the cheese? Yeah. So this is what we need. There are a couple of lessons that kids need to learn. So one, they, we, we actually have to talk a little bit about how to introduce new tastes Okay. And, and experiences to kids in a way that will work. But we also have to start thinking about the kinds of lessons that we're teaching kids. So a lot of times what happens with vegetables is that children will willingly eat one or two bites of those vegetables, and then parents come along and say, that's it? <laughs> like, I want you to eat more. Imagine if, you were, if your child was learning how to walk, Yeah. and he took two steps and fell on his nose, and you went, that's it? That's all you got? I thought you were going to walk across. I thought you were going to run. Lazy. That's right. Isn't that true? <laughs> so we have to scale back our expectations so that kids learn to enjoy eating broccoli. And that often enjoying the broccoli takes a lot longer than getting three more bites of it into your kid at That's today's true. meal. So That's we have true. To sort of get the long-term perspective. Yeah, a lot of times we make a meal and it's kind of the one and done. Like if, you, if, this, if the Brussels sprouts don't land right today... We will That's never right. do Brussels sprouts We're again. Doomed. Yeah. That's right. And also, it's not just like, well, we'll never make them again. It's like we think, well, our kid's probably going to die because he didn't get any vegetables. I know. That's, that's true. <laughs> so here's one thing I would really suggest for people to think about in terms of both getting more fruits and vegetables into their children uh, in the nutrition way, but also in terms of taste preferences and habits, which is to start serving fruits and vegetables at every meal and every snack every day throughout the day. Mm. That's a big challenge, and we won't live up to it. So, of course, there are going to be days when snack is going to be pretzels or yeah. goldfish crackers or something like that. Candy bars. But if we start <laughs> – candy bars, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But if we started serving fruits and vegetables throughout the day at breakfast, at snack, and our children ate one or two bites – five different times during the day, we would yield more than if we save it for dinner and start pressuring our kids to eat two more bites. That's so true. I mean, in that very same theory, you hear all the stories about how Michelle Obama is changing our eating habits and all of the schools are now wasting more food, but it's the same mentality. Like, if they're not going to eat it once, then... But if we just kept dripping it on them, they're eventually (laughs) going to get a little bit and a taste of it and get it. Exactly. We want to teach them that fruits and vegetables are the go-to food, not the food that you have on occasion mm-hmm. and then you fight about it. So we have to make that those foods show up in the diet more regularly. It's It sounds obvious when I say it, but eating is really a matter of math in the sense that people eat what they're used to eating, and they don't eat what they're not used to eating. So we have to make the healthy foods the kinds of foods that they're used to eating. I love it. And so one of the principles you're saying, though, is is make it make it a, a part of the everyday meal, every meal. Every meal will have some proportional, some, propor- some portion of vegetable, fruit, something healthy. 
That's right. And then we can scale back on the pressure because pressure is the enemy. And so some snacks should only have a fruit or a vegetable there, and your child can choose to eat it or not to eat it. And they'll, they'll build an appetite if they don't eat it. They're not going to starve. Mm-hmm. Um, and at, at the other meals, it should show up, but we should scale back our expectations about quantity at any given time so that we're not pressing our kids to eat more, to eat more. The eat more makes them eat less of the foods we want them to eat, right? Yeah. But it also teaches them an eat more mentality. And in an era of childhood obesity, the last thing we want to teach our kids is the eat more mentality. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, it seems like, though, if, if the meal consists of some vegetables, some applesauce, and dino nuggets, and whatever else, um, if they don't eat the vegetables, then they're going to have to either have more applesauce or dino nuggets. So it just seems like all they'll do is consume more dino nuggets. Well, one of the things that we have to do is start thinking about, again, the lessons that we're teaching our kids. So we can teach children a very important lesson, which is how to eat their meals. Because what happens is a kid comes to the table, looks at the food that's on his plate, and he says, oh, the pasta, that's the food I really like. Mm -hmm. So then he eats it, and he eats it all up. And now he's not quite as hungry, and now mom comes along and says, hey, you didn't eat your peas. Eat a couple bites of peas. And then he says, well, I want more pasta. And then she says, but you have to eat your peas, and now we're in a fight. (laughs) Yeah, game on. But if we were to teach our kids a very important lesson, which is you never really know when you're going to be full, and it's important to eat a little bit of all the different kinds of foods that are on your plate, then we'll teach a technique that I call one-one, which is one bite of this and one bite of that, And I don't mean sit there and count bites. Sure. But I mean teach our kids to sort of eat around the plate. And if we've also scaled back on the portions so that it's just a few bites of the vegetable, just a few bites of the pasta, just a few bites of whatever else there is, then it's very easy for them to eat one bite of this and one bite of that. And then they can get more. They can get seconds of the food that they like. But meanwhile, if we're thinking long term, we're teaching the habits that they're going to use throughout their lives, which is eat, eat a little bit of everything that's on your plate. Sure. that You really are, you keep drilling the idea, we, we need to be playing this game for the day they're an adult. That's right. Well, you can't feed kids one way and expect them to grow up and eat a different way unless what you're saying is, I want to make my kid have to change his habits. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, it's <laughs> a great parenting. That, that's right. right? <laughs> but I mean, this is how we should apparent on everything. Exactly. You have to parent your five-year-old as if he's a 25-year-old in waiting. You know, that's right. Where that's, do you want to go? That's right. Yeah. And, and how do we want this to look? Talk about um, snacks, because it seems like the snacks are a little bit more up to them in a way. You know, the foraging child can sneak into the pantry and sniff out a snack. What are the snacks that we would be healthier that we should be looking to give them? Well, here's the thing that parents need to really try to keep in their minds, which is that snack is a time of day. It's not a kind of food. Okay. So the big food industry has taught us that snack is what you find in the snack food aisle, the chips, the pretzels, all those kinds of things. But if we just think that it's a time to eat and it's a small time to eat, not a large time to eat, then it's the same foods that you should be eating at meals, uh, fruits and vegetables, plain yogurt, those kinds of foods. And occasionally, of course, you know, pretzels or cookies or or whatever. But the big issue about snacks is that we approach snacks in our country like 
like they're necessary <laughs> and that we've heard, oh, kids need to eat every couple of hours. And But back go, go back a generation, kids weren't fed so frequently mm-hmm. and go to other countries and they're not being fed so frequently. And so we can't do the eating on demand. We shouldn't really do the grazing. We really need to have what I call eating zones, times when food is available and times when food is not available, because it's the time when it's not available that really is where the work is done. That's where kids are learning to build an appetite. That's where kids are learning that if they didn't eat very well at the last meal, maybe they do get a little hungry, and maybe next time they'll eat the food that maybe they had rejected because it wasn't exactly their preference. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) So I'm not talking about starving out kids. What I'm talking about is creating a structure where there are some rules and guidelines that kids can come to depend on so that it doesn't seem so arbitrary. You know, kids come and ask their parents, can I have this or can I have that? And parents say yes or no, but kids don't know why. Yeah, there's no, there's no theory behind it. There's right. no method so, to the madness. Exactly. So we need to teach kids a little bit what the decision-making rule is. And the thing is, is that most parents don't have any reason for what the decision rule is, so it feels kind of arbitrary to them, too. Mm-hmm. And that's the benefit of proportion, variety, and moderation, because they give parents the decision-making rules that they can implement, and then they can also communicate to their kids. I love it. And, and too, like if you know there's certain times we're going to eat, no, it's, in an hour we're eating, so we won't have a snack right now. We'll just wait. That That's a learning moment. Like, oh, I, I need to eat better. <laughs> and you know what? We don't want to teach children to be afraid of hunger. Right. You know, we're not talking about, you know, starvation kind of real hunger. We're just talking about temporary hunger. And we don't want to teach children to be afraid of that because that is a precursor of overeating. Mm-hmm. Well, and when some, I like just like you were saying, the, the having a variety or doing it in moderation, these are those are great rule sets for any parent to have. So instead of just saying no because it's bad for you, you just say, you know, no, we we had whatever we had cupcake, we had a cupcake earlier, so we're gonna go with variety today, and we're gonna not have another cupcake. Right, or from a proportion perspective, we would say you can have one treat a day. You get to choose when you have it, but the parents are putting in place the big rule. You can have one. Yeah. And the child is putting in place the when, which is the smaller rule, but it makes them feel part of the process. So we're sharing control. We're not fighting over it. Man, where have you been all my life, Dina? <laughs> my children, they, they're going to call you angry. <laughs> Because we, it's funny. It's if you're not naturally, I just want my kids to eat, and I let's just let's not have turn this into a fight. And a lot of times it feels like you're battling your kids, but you're you're trying to like kind of just play smarter than the average well, kid. Exactly. We teach them today, we can stop fighting about it tomorrow. But if we don't teach them today, we have to fight about it forever yeah. or give up. Yeah. We capitulate, oh, yeah. and the kids win, but they're not really winning because they've got lousy eating habits. That's right. And then, you know, then you'll go to therapy with them forever. Well, they're going to go about something, right? <laughs> it's so true. This is great stuff. We're going to take a break, Dina. Dina Rose is joining us. Go check out her website. It's notaboutnutrition.com. I mean, there's everything you need there. A lot of tools. She's got a podcast and a book and a blog. The book's name is It's Not About the Broccoli. Three Habits to Teach Your Kids for a Lifetime of Healthy Eating. We'll take a break, come back, learn more of these habits, these tools to help you, uh, to, you know, empower your children with their eating habits. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM, 143 BYU Radio.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. What a feeling. Uh, is this Flashdance? Yeah. Those were the days. Those were the days when I used to be able to fit into some leg warmers. You had that sweatshirt off the shoulder? That off the shoulder sweatshirt. <sighs> the good old days, we call those. Isn't that funny? There's just some music that goes with like a workout. And for some reason, that goes with a workout, even though, honestly, never worked out to that music. Honestly, never worked out to any music. <laughs> I say to myself, why start now? But now, actually, I want to because uh, Dina has been teaching us how to work out. Dina Rose is her name. She has a Ph.D. in sociology from Duke University, 15-plus years of experience in teaching and research. She's a mom, and she has basically taken her sociology experience, plus the just the, the insight that came from watching her mother die uh, of obesity-kind-of-related illnesses, and— um, She's put it all together, I think, in a really creative, powerful way and is trying to teach us as parents the habits that lead to healthy lifestyle and and eating habits for our family and our children. Instead of just getting all into the nutrition with all the numbers and how everything's constantly changing, uh, Dina instead is trying to teach us about habits and change. Dina Rose, welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. This is such a fascinating conversation because it's just, you know, all the ins and outs of getting kids. It's so hard. It is. But but it really, honestly, we should be better at it because otherwise it's almost like we've turned everything over to the kids and we're like, they're killing us. These kids are <laughs> so in control. But as parents, well, it, you're it saying, true. but they're, it is, but they're really, it's just because they're doing what they naturally want to do which and and self-orientation and but as parents, there's you're saying there's very basic habits that if we would just stick to, we'll we'll, we'll do a lot better. You know, kids make immature decisions because they're immature. Right. <laughs> right. What's our excuse? So what, right. Right. What's our excuse? Right. We need because we haven't really started to think about what it is that we need to teach the kids. So here's a really good example of how this happens. So if we're not really thinking about the habit of variety, we unintentionally teach our kids the opposite. We teach them that it's, that it's normal to eat a routine diet. So we find this, the same two or three things for breakfast, the same two or three things for snack, and throughout the day. And then usually at dinner we, we spice it up a little bit, and that's why we fight with kids so much at dinner time. Mm-hmm. But if there are five or six eating opportunities and kids have a dependable routine around four of them, then the norm for them is to eat the same food from day to day, not a variety of foods. Right. And if we want to teach them variety, we don't have to make too big a switch. And a lot of parents get stuck by thinking, how do I teach my kids a variety to eat a variety if they won't eat new foods? Uh-huh. And that's the big mistake because variety just means different. Different. So you can take the same five or six foods that you feed your kids on a regular basis, and you can use what I call the rotation rule, where you just deliberately and consciously don't feed the same food two days in a row. And you tell your kids about it so they know the rule, too. Interesting. I love that because when I, I'll get in a routine and I know what will help me lose weight and what foods work better for me. And I get in the routine, but the minute I, have, I go eat out and I can't alter my routine or I don't understand how to add variety and keep the, the, the same effect, then I'm lost. So it's, it's impacting me even. 
Sure. And when children learn to eat variety within the foods that they're accustomed to eating and they just learn the rule, I don't eat the same thing two days in a row, it sets up a foundation for actual new fruit foods because they sort of develop a mindset of looking for something different instead of looking for something that's the same. Mm. What are some more rules that, that go along with your three habits? Well, the thing is that we need to start thinking especially uh, about how we introduce new foods. So most parents I know have heard the research that you have to expose your kid to something new 12 times or 14 mm-hmm. times. It, might, it feels like a million times, really. Yeah. <laughs> and parents get frustrated because they start to feed the, you know, they make the new food and they put it on the table and the child rejects it and they do that two or three times. And then they say, well, why should I keep doing this? My kid won't eat it and I keep throwing it out. And so uh, what I really want to say is that, that in the research, they're not actually making the kids eat the food. They're just making them taste it. Oh. So if we can separate eating from tasting so that the goal with tasting is a pea-sized sample that you describe, you don't say you like it or you dislike it because that's just too definitive. I put it in the do, like, do not like it box. I'm not going to try it again. But is it salty? Is it crunchy? Which of these two apples is sweeter? Any kind of question about the sensory property of the food, its taste, its texture, its aroma, its appearance, its temperature, what it sounds like if you shake it or crunch it or whatever, those are the kinds of things that really help children get more familiar with new foods and eventually eat them. Hmm. So you're just letting them experience it, really. That's right. Parents think that's what they're doing that when they say, oh, just taste it. If you don't like it, you don't have to eat it. But that sentence has implied pressure because from a child's mind, if I do like it, I'm going to have to yeah, eat it. Yeah, every time. Yeah. And I might not want to eat it, or I might not, so then I'm not even going to taste it. Or if I do taste it, I'm going to immediately say I don't like it, even if I haven't really, I wouldn't have really yeah. thought about it, wouldn't really have tasted it. So the more reluctant your child is to try a new food, the more we have to make it like a science experiment instead of a meal. I love that. Try it like a science experiment and then report back. So what's the report? Is it crunchy? Is the texture weird? Is it salty? Is it sweet? What is it? Right, exactly. Because what what we're trying to teach kids is the ability to predict what a food will taste like, which is what adults do. If you go to a restaurant You've been there to put yeah. to a place where there's something you don't recognize on the menu. What do you do? You ask the waiter, what is this? Yeah. And what would you do if the waiter said, mmm, it's good. It's yummy. Try it. <laughs> You'd kind of say, well, but is it fish? Yeah, give, yeah. Is <laughs> it salty? Is it is it, yeah, exactly. It, you know, you would, and so we look at foods and we make predictions all the time, Matt, and kids don't have, like, this reservoir of information to draw on. So if they're scared, they're not really comfortable with new experiences, or they had a bad experience where something made them gag, mm-hmm. or they're control freaks, or, or anything, then they need to learn to be comfortable tasting. And what happens to make, you know, what you need to do to make that happen is to give them the ability to predict what something will be like, and yeah. you do that through multiple ex- exposures to the science experiment. And you can fairly, I mean, there's places, there's, you know, at, at um, Thanksgiving dinner might be a great place to try some things in in a different context. Like, hey, let's just try a few things at Thanksgiving because they're available. And then tell me what you tell me what you're noticing about this versus this. I mean, really, it, it's and that's just one of the touches that might eventually convert them to it. Exactly. Especially if it's not embedded in 
well, here's a big heaping mound on your yeah. plate. Just try it. <laughs> yeah, that expectation. Our language plays a big part in it, doesn't it? Because we, we're setting them up for this isn't even a decision today. This is forever. That's right. And, and we have to think about all the ways in which kids feel pressure. And we have to remove the pressure, but keep the structure. Mm. So a lot of times parents think if they eliminate pressure, then they just have to give in to their kids. And then we've reversed the relationship, and the kids are in charge, and the parents are following their lead. So we need to be in charge as the parents. We have to have our structure, but we need to eliminate pressure. It seems like, too, um, what do you do with, like, leftovers? Because it seems like if if those green beans are going to keep coming back until they're eaten, that's a lot of pressure, too. Somebody's got to eat these green beans. Well, if we have um, kids who eat green beans on sort of a regular basis, but we've just scaled back portion size, then we should just make fewer green beans. Yeah, learn. Or throw them in the freezer or, you know, put them in a salad the next day or something like that. But if we're serving the green beans and they're a new food, the way to eliminate the waste is to not serve them as a new food to our kids until our kids become good tasters. Yeah. Once they're good tasters, we can start putting new foods on the table and expect them to taste and eat in a single session. Hmm. But, but it might take six months to grow a good taster if you've got someone who's locked in a control struggle with you. What if they really like something, then do you give them less of it? Does that make like sense? If, like it's, if, it's if like a bait and switch. And there's pasta and then there's yeah. green beans and they, they eat green beans, but they love pasta. Yeah. I mean, at some point yeah. they could just, all they could eat is pasta, but like, or the kid that loves macaroni and cheese, that's, you know, that's right. all they'll eat is macaroni and cheese. I mean, I guess, how do you introduce variety to the kid that only eats pasta? Okay, well, first of all, if we write down all the foods that any even really picky eater eats, they eat more than one food. Right. So Good. we implement the rotation rule with the foods they're already eating because then if they resist eating the food, we know it's a control struggle because we know that they like those foods. Mm. So we eliminate the doubt. Um, if they have only three or four foods and we can't really rotate every other day serving it, yeah. at least rotate what meal it shows up at so that a breakfast food shows up at a dinner or something like oh, there that. there you go. So that we're teaching the concept of variety. But if you write down everything the kid eats, including snacks and every meal, and then you just start switching up when you serve it, there's almost always ample food to do the rotation. Oh, see, you, your research, I think, has helped you so much. And, um, and I appreciate that you're helping us. Uh, Dina Rose is her name. Go to her website. It's not about nutrition. And you got to get her book. It's not about the broccoli. Three habits to teach your kids for a lifetime of healthy eating. Uh, really, it's it's so practical, so solution based, and let's focus really more on the habits of healthy eating instead of just all the nutritional facts and data that could go in there and sometimes overwhelm us. We're going to take a break, my friends. Continue with this discussion of healthy habits right after the break, right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show, everybody. The Eye of the Tiger. A lot of people call me the tiger. Some of them say, hey, Matt, you've got the eye of the tiger. 
I say thank you. Move along. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a marble you used to play with. Nope, that was my eye. Eye of the tiger. My tiger eye. Hey, today, folks, we're talking about healthy habits, and uh, this song, you know, makes me feel healthier. Rocky. Because I could watch Rocky get in shape, probably pounding on a half slab of beef. Mm-hmm. Speaking of pounding on a half slab of beef. <laughs> Actually, he didn't do that in this one. No, he didn't. That was Rocky. That was the original Rocky. But I think they always have, like, flashbacks, don't they? They always have to flash back to the meat locker. True. Where you're bah, 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 bah. I'm starving right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm hungry. Because uh, you've been talking about feeding your kids. Yeah. And I was talking about, like, I really want some vegetables today. I had I actually ate healthy on my vacation. Did you? Yeah. You were had in a motorhome. Oh, that reminds raw me. carrots. I saw your motorhome when yeah. I was driving in today. Really? Uh, is it? Does it look like a really big peanut? <laughs> no. Does it say planters peanuts no. on the side? It also does not say Oscar Mayer on the I side. I saw no. a planters peanuts. Mobile? Bus. It was really cool. Wow. By the way, planters peanuts, great protein. Great source of protein. There you go. Hey, um, so I was reading something during the break mm-hmm. uh, while I was drinking my beverage, my soda. I have water. UCSF, University of California, San Francisco study, links soda to premature aging, oh. disease, and early death. Because of the carbonation, the sugar? <sighs> Did they say diet soda, I regular it's, soda? It's, or there's what? a tie to communism. <laughs> you know what I mean? James concurs. Uh, researchers at the University of California, San Francisco, used a sample of 5,300 healthy adults. That's a large sample. For five years is how long the study went on. Wow. We think we can get away with drinking lots of soda. The uh, study uh, researcher, Dr. Alyssa Eppel worked on the study. She says, we think we can get away with drinking lots of soda as long as we are not gaining weight. But this suggests that there's an invisible pathway that leads to accelerated aging regardless of weight. Oh. So the drinking of these beverages makes us, uh, it accelerates our aging process. Apple's team discovered that in people who drank more sugar-sweetened beverages, the ends of their chromosomes, known as telomeres, were shorter. How long have I been telling you, Sean, you're going to have short telomeres if you keep drinking that drink? Okay. The finding is alarming because it suggests that soda may be aging us in ways we are not even aware of. So if your chromosomes are shorter, you're going to live less? Yeah. You're probably going to pull your obliques. It's because in, in cell division, they when you replicate the DNA, that DNA gets destroyed over time. So you need longer strands. So Hold less on. Now, now are, you, are you being serious? Yeah, yeah. Where did you learn this? Biology. <laughs> wow, that was okay. impressive. That was. There you go. It's a, it's kind of it sounds like, logical. In the two and a half, three years the show's been on, that is the first time I think James has pulled out a biology, biology reference. Yeah, well, yeah. I am the doctor of many things. Actually, no, I, I shouldn't profess yeah, my, to be doctor. My wife yeah. has a problem with biology too. Yeah, what? She keeps saying your kids, and I have to keep telling, giving her a lesson in biology. That, you know, that's a great point. Yeah. It's a really right, – that's a great point. Yeah. It should be our kids. Exactly. So parents out there, here's some tools just to help you uh, – you know, four better ways to be a better mom or dad right now. Because okay. Because soda aside, that, the way that came from CBS of San Francisco. 
that article that I just read. KPIX? KPIX. Mm-hmm. You must have grown up there. Yes, I did. <clears throat> That's where you get all your great San Francisco Giants information. Oh, no. One of the, one of the really great broadcasters, I thought, Dave McElhatton, was the anchor of the news there for a long time. KPIX! That's cool. Um, anyway, uh, it's a great article. Go check it out. But here's the deal, because I'm still going to drink soda, because that said sugar sodas. Oh, it did say sugared sodas. Yeah, mine okay. has other carcinogens that— Oh, I see. Uh, Yours is the dietetic are, version? Yeah, the dietetic fake sugars, which I think cause other problems, mm-hmm. but apparently not part of that study. Mm-hmm. And Kevin's. Here's four tools, four ways to be a better mom or dad right now. These are things we could be doing, folks. Sharpen your tool set. I learned this on um, home improvement shows. Sharp tools make light work. You're right. Sharp tools make light work. So how like we're sitting here and our our great guest Dina Rose is giving us all of these ideas and I'm thinking, why didn't I know about this when my children were younger? I mean my children are ruined. You still got a couple you can probably work with. Yeah, but you know what? They are like, you didn't do that with the first kids. Yeah, I think it's too late, Matt. I know. It's over. So where my tool set was not sharp. Well, I've always heard the younger child gets all the special stuff anyway, right? Yeah. Okay. But like soda, apparently I'm going to age him prematurely, um, which isn't bad if you want your kid to grow up faster. True. <laughs> Here, have some soda. <laughs> um, sharpen your tool set, parents. Physically, do you, do, you have, do you have really good skills around physical health, around patience? Do you understand how to make more time and do your time management? Do you have the tools to be a great parent? Because if not, the tools are out there, just like we saw. Dina Rose has a great website. It's not about it, nutrition.com. Great stuff. Uh, Embrace your role as a servant. One of the things I found as a parent, the number one way I gain influence with my kids is serving them. I have found, interestingly, the more I serve them, the more I love them. The more I do their homework, the more I love them. I can see helping them clean their room, but doing their homework, I'm not sure about. I know. That's inappropriate. But helping them clean their room, getting some stuff done, showing them how to do homework. Last night, I worked with two kids on how to do their homework, like how to get organized, Mm -hmm. how to get their head wrapped around an activity that was blowing their mind. And I'm not great at that. My my wife asked me to do it, and I did it. (laughs) We had fun actually with my daughter the other night because we started complaining about her grades. But I don't understand why you're you're getting – 98% 98% in your class. <laughs> oh, I know. I don't understand how you got 110%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, wow. It was end of term grades. So we were giving her a bad time about having good grades that's and, a, on purpose. That's good parenting. Yeah. You were laughing with her. Yes. Not at her. No. Uh, always parent from your principles, not your planner. Oh, that's good. A lot I of like times that. we see the assignments that are due. We see the energy that needs to be used to get a project done, and we get all caught up, and we get angry, and we get frustrated. So instead, if you want to move your kid, make sure you know what your principles are and move from your peace. If you're not at peace – so once I've like come unglued, not a good time to try to parent. True. So once the peace isn't there, you got to go find your peace, come back, and then we parent again. Make sense? Last but not least, listen to understand, not to respond. There's a reason your kids don't tell you much, and maybe it's because you don't listen anyway. So if you're not getting enough information from your kid, then just do this little assignment for the next little while. Why don't you try to just listen to understand where they're coming from? Try to figure out what is so hard about the assignment. Because I usually am like, oh, man, you don't even know hard. You do a dissertation. Mm Mm-hmm. 
with like 30 pages of citations. You can't do – how many pages is this supposed to be? It's not even a three, page, Dad. It's, yeah. Three pages. Oh, three pages. Yeah. I could buffalo three pages. But kids get overwhelmed. So try to figure out why they're overwhelmed, what's worrying about them, and then sit down and start to show them how you organize thoughts, how you do stuff. Parents, that's why we're there. They don't need us otherwise, especially the older they get. Yeah. The, I mean, they get to an age where they, they eventually tell you that. They prove that, yes. Yeah. I don't even need you. <laughs> well, you left yours. Did they all survive? My kids? Yeah. Well, that's because I left them with a responsible adult. Yeah. My parents. Yeah, but you don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe the kids are getting more responsible. They've been drinking no. a lot of soda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they do at Grandma's house, actually. I guess. You said yes. they probably aged a year <laughs> sending them to Grandma's. <laughs> yeah. We're going to take a break, my friends. When we come back, Heather Johnson from BYU is going to be joining us. Uh, family Volley is the name of her website. She's going to teach us how to stay in shape as a family, you know, so we don't pull our, oblique, our obliques. More great advice coming up next right here on the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Don't stop believing. Or if we go by the script here, don't stop believing by journey. Sean put that together. Don't stop believing, folks. Because when you stop believing, you're dead. In the house, Heather Ann Johnson. Hadge, we call her. It's better every week. She's a professor here, adjunct professor at BYU. She teaches families how to play together. Families that play together stay together. It's true. They also pull obliques. They do. And hammies. And hammies. Sometimes hammies. I, um, you are, I have only pulled one hammy in my life. <laughs> in your whole life. And it was my fault. It was your fault. It was on a TV set and you were having me. It was a live show even. It was a live show. And uh, I pulled my hammy, went down like a ton of bricks. <laughs> I actually didn't hit the ground, but it was embarrassing. So I faked my way through it, <laughs> but I couldn't walk for a week. And I'll never live it down. Never. Ever. <laughs> never. Hadge. So Heather Ann, again, you got to go to her website, familyvolley.com. She wrote a book uh, called Family Fun Fridays. It's a compilation of the very best games, activities for families, with variations for families with children of all ages and parents with really tight hamstrings. There you go. I should, a, I should add some stretching maybe. Would that help? I would have a pre-stretch. Maybe I need a chapter on stretching Why first. don't you make that family fun Thursdays? There you go. And you can stretch on Thursday and yeah. then play on Friday. Yeah. There. And then no hammies will be. Um, I was talking to James in the break, and James was playing Ultimate Frisbee, okay. went down with a hammy injury. Oh, James, I'm so sorry. Is but, Ultimate Frisbee in, in the Family Fun Friday book? You know, uh, a variation of it is. I was going to say, yes. I, was, I was wondering that when I pulled my hamstring. If, yeah, I'm sure. That's exactly what you thought when you went <laughs> yeah. down. Yeah, right? I was like, oh, I wonder if this is in Family the, Fun, Fun Friday. Heather, you know what's weird? When he went down with his hammy injury, his team gathered around him, circled around him like a bunch of birds helping a fallen bird get back in the nest. And just imagine a bird just grabbing another bird's leg and stretching out its hammy. 
That's what they did to him. When I went down, nothing. We didn't come to your rescue. Uh -uh. No, we didn't. Which makes you wonder. We laughed a little. Which makes you wonder. We didn't really believe your hammy was pulled. Oh, it was pulled. (laughs) It was pulled. And um, you heard I pulled an oblique. Yeah. See, well, you didn't tell us about the oblique. Now, if we would have known that, we would have come to your rescue. That happened sweeping out my garage. (laughs) That's why I don't do house, like, chores and work. I hate it. I pull I pull things. My body's very fragile. Maybe maybe you need some new healthy habits. <sighs> Great segue, Heather. Let's <laughs> some, get into your business now. Some new physical healthy habits. You're trying to get me healthy. Okay, so you want to teach <clears throat> the listeners how to create healthy habits with their families. With their families. Okay, yeah. let's let's so get into that. Let's start there. Okay. So what is so great about families and healthy habits is that you've got this army of people to support you, right? You're doing it together. That's right. So if we choose a habit to do on our own, although we have people around us to help us, we're kind of fighting a fight by ourselves a little bit. But when we want to be stronger families, we've got a whole family if we can get them on board to help one another. Families are usually more stable and they can reinforce what we're trying to do. So that's a really great thing. So before we get into lots of kind of the findings and, and the generals, Maybe a path to take when you're setting healthy habits as families. So yeah. we're going to start with setting goals. Okay. Nothing new. But you got to say – you got to have a goal. We do. We have to have a goal. So here's what we're going to do with our families. First, we're going to realize that we have to assess where we are right where we are right now. Okay, right. Lots of times when we set goals, we think, okay, this is what I want to become or want to, what I want it to look like in three months. Mm-hmm. We do that before we sit down and say, ooh, but right now it's kind of ugly. Dad gets winded uh, sweeping the garage. <clears throat> Pulls an oblique. Pulls an oblique. Right? <laughs> So we've got to assess right this where we are, where we're at. So once we do that, the next question oftentimes parents will ask me is, "Okay, that's great, but I want to be stronger. We want healthy habits, but where and how? And we hear habits and we immediately think physical and Mm -hmm. that's it. Right. 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 Eating healthy, looking different, that type of thing. So I'm going to suggest four different areas where we are going to strengthen our family habits. Cool. We're going to go spiritual, mental, social and physical. Nothing new. Nothing new. But You're if, already doing stuff in every one of those right. areas. But if we can write those down, sit down as a family and say, okay, in these four areas, which pretty much, su- much sums up our whole lives, yeah. our family life, yeah. we want to be stronger, spiritual, mental, social, and physical. Once we do that, the next question usually is, okay, I want goals in these areas. But again, it's so broad. What does this mean? Right. So we're going to narrow it down for families even smaller. And we're going to do this by suggesting that families look at their needs and their values in each of these four categories. So what are my needs physically, socially, spiritually, mentally? What are my values physically, socially? Ah, That's exactly right. So if we look at spiritual, for example, and this can look different for all families, regardless of religion, all of that, Mm -hmm. there is a spiritual sense to our families. Whatever you want that to look like, look at your needs. What are our needs there? And then look at the values we want our families to represent or we want our children to learn. Oh, that's great. When it comes to being spirit to our spirituality. Well, we need to be healthy. We need to be mentally independent. Right. We and need to have friends. That's exactly right. And we can go very specific when we get down to needs and values opposed to this big, broad spiritual or physical. What does that mean? It. Bring it very narrow for your family. It makes it a lot easier. Now, that said, families are not up for taking on 10 new healthy habits. Yeah. Habits at a time. It won't work. It's way too many. Right. We're going to lose each family member. So look at two, three, maximum four things at a time yeah. that your family might be working on and recognize that it will be slow, but that's okay. But if I'm doing it as a family, if I'm doing physical and spiritual and social and mental as a family, 
it's impacting everyone on a personal level right. as well. It is. And so we're growing personally and that personal growth contributes to that family growth. So we're doing it a little bit at a time. Now, the next thing we need to do is we want to sit down and we want to assess what I call our sweet spots and our hot spots. So when we're looking to set healthy habits and change our habits, we want to look at our sweet spots. And those are the things that bring your family joy and satisfaction. Mm. So maybe it's being together as a family. Yeah. That brings joy. That's sweet. Whatever It's sweet. Whatever it might be, write down the sweet spots. What we're going to do is we're going to use those as a source of strength when we start changing our bad habits. So we're going to, we're going to anchor ourselves. We are in our okay. sweet spots. What if our sweet spot is like always in front of a TV? Okay. So we're going to then start to slowly modify those things okay. as we go because unfortunately – the best place for our family isn't in front of a TV. Mm. I know that's daggers are being thrown. No, it's but in it's front true. of a Palm Pilot it's, right. <laughs> or a, a, a iPad. Right. So what we're going to do is we're going to write those things down. Maybe it's a favorite hobby. It's doing something together as a family. Whatever it might be, write down those sweet spots. Now, even if it is TV, there's ways we can modify our television watching so that it benefits our family more than yeah, hurts that's us. Right. And will you start to work on those things as your habits progress? The same thing with your hot spots. Your hot spots are those things that make your family agitated frustrated, mm. bring contention. Right. Write those down. Where we tend right? to have the breakdowns. Right. These are these could be, you know, unhealthy topics that maybe come up or that people bring up to mm-hmm. poke at other people's buttons or whatever it might be. We're gonna write those down so we can avoid them. Could be a certain time of day. It could be. We have a time that I don't know if it's appropriate, but we call it killing time. <laughs> Witching hour? It's a witching hour, it about is. 6 o'clock. It Someone is. in my house is nearly dead. It's true. And for us, it starts a little earlier because our children are smaller. So around yes. the 4 o'clock, oh, 3.45, yeah. uh-huh. you know, the littlest ones are done with a nap, but it's close to bed. Mm-hmm. People are getting hungry. Homework is making us irritated. Yeah. It is. It's that witching hour. Something's going to go crazy. So if we know that that's a hot spot, that is not the right time for us to bring up something tough yeah. to talk about, right? Right. We know, we know those things. So write down the sweet and the hot and address them. Do you do this as a family or... Or do you do this as parents? You can do it either way. Because this seems like a great discussion to have with your kids. If you can involve your kids, you're going to see a lot of those benefits that you wouldn't see otherwise. Yeah. We want them to be in on this. And you were just talking about this, but as parents, we're responsible for teaching our kids how to manage this when they have their own family. That's right. Exactly. So if we leave them out of all this decision making, then they're never going to learn. So and, we want and, them to And be what there. if all of a sudden, when they're telling the sweet spots and it's coming from them that they love right. when we all go outside and play... It oh. should be ding, ding, ding. Yeah, there oh, we go. Oh, okay. And yeah. now we understand. Now that are going to be motivated. Right. And we understand our children better and we can then help apply those things that they call sweet. So we're going to look for those two spots and then we're going to start to visualize. Now, when it comes to families, especially with children, anything we can make visual is going to help opposed to just verbal. That's so true. So for our children, oh. especially small and not even small, you know, even our teenagers, if we can take our goals and represent them maybe with an object or a vision board, yeah. you know, bring out the magazines or do we even have magazines anymore? Bring out whatever you've yeah. got. Even get on computers and print out pictures that represent those goals that your family is setting create that vision board and put it where you're going to see it every single day so that things become very real for your family. So that could be instead of like some written mission statement, have a visual manifestation of those four areas you mm -hmm. want to improve. And those needs and values, those goals that we've set for one another. So once we do that, we're going to visualize this family outcome. Now, this means we want to imagine what our family is going to look like once we reach these goals. And when we do that, we want to look further than just how we look, but what that will allow us to accomplish. So spiritual 
spiritually, what will that look like when we reach our spiritual goals or our physical or our mental or social? And we want to talk about those things. It's almost like dreaming yeah, a little bit. Yeah. In reality, those things that we can do accomplish. do it every day. Right. And that's where we realize that we've got slow and steady. Now, it takes approximately – a study in 2009 said that it takes approximately 66 days to develop a new habit. See, now this is funny because – Everyone says 21 days. They do. And I've, I've, I can create a bad habit it's in three exactly days. Right. But, but a good habit, easily more than 21. Absolutely. So you say 66. 60, yeah, 66 days approximately. And again, in 2009, that's what they found when they looked at people that it took that long to do it. Now, imagine putting a lot of people together, even if it's three to 10 in your family. Yeah to create a new healthy habit. If we think it's 66 for us, it might be a little longer. 180 we, for a family. <laughs> Maybe we multiply it, you know, every time we add a family yeah, member, whatever right. it might yeah. be. But it's going to take a little bit Get longer. Get a calculator. So we've got to be patient. This is the slow and steady. Yeah. This is realizing it's going to take time. But you're going for the long play here. We are. We are. That's We're cool. going for the long term. Now, at the same time, we are going to recognize that victories start with awareness. Mm -hmm. So we've already started to find success in simply sitting down and saying, we want to do better and we can. Yeah. And so that's a really good place to start. Now, once we do that, we're going to teach our kids in particular to value the long term over the short term. But that you'll never go wrong getting them to understand because character is a long term thing. Right. It is. And, and we always kind of jump into the immediate values, all of that. Right. We we probably most of us have seen the results from the marshmallow test where they yeah. put the kids in front of the marshmallows mm -hmm. and that long term, that delayed gratification. And this is the same thing. We want to value the long term over the short. Now, what happens is we tend to choose the short because we know what that feels like. Yeah. It's right there. We can taste it. It's and, like a marshmallow. Yum, yum, yum. Exactly. And so even if we do taste, you know, if we're working on our healthy habits when it comes to food as a family, we choose the chocolate cake right now because we know how good that's going to taste. Right. We don't know how good it's going to feel to feel fit yeah, and able. Until we've done it before. Right. Let's uh, let's take a break, Heather. Uh, we're with Heather Ann Johnson, a.k.a. Hadge from Family <laughs> so bad. That is so bad. Com. That sounds bad, doesn't it? <laughs> it could be worse. It could be. Some we, days it is. Some days it is yeah, worse. It is. <laughs> Heather Ann Johnson's her name. Family success is her game. Go to familyvolley.com. We're going to take a break, come right back, and continue learning how to make healthy habits with our families. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. A little Olivia Newton-John. Let's get physical. Let's go uh, sweep out the garage. And let's just shred that oblique on the left side. Just the left, huh? It radiated to my right side, though. <laughs> I, I literally, I had to leave my arm up in the air <laughs> because it's the only place it felt right. We need to get your wife to start taking pictures of these things that we can, yeah. you know. Use. Yeah. So when you call us Hadge and stuff, we have, yeah. you know, you stuff, have to, stuff to ammo. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny is she takes pictures of everything else. Just not you? She, not me. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> she, I think she just quit like, mm, no more. Yeah. Maybe she knows better. Well, yeah. And it's, I pull a lot of stuff. So <laughs> she quit caring. She's like, ah, you'll be fine. Just ice it. <laughs> she says ice it. Heather Ann Johnson's in the studio with us. Uh, she likes us to call her Hadge. Heather Ann Johnson. Uh, we were going to call her Hadjims because she has a master's in science. Yeah. 
But that just sounded weird. So uh, Heather comes from the website. you got to go check it out, familyvolley.com. She wrote the book called Family Fun Fridays. Uh, she's promised us she also has Family Fun Saturdays through Thursdays that will be coming out in the next few years. There you go. Uh, Thursdays apparently is going to be a stretching book all about how to stretch as a family. Right. We'll dedicate it to you. Yes. Right? I'll write the foreword. <laughs> there you go, that dedication page. But you've been doing this forever, and uh, my daughter's taking a class with you, thinks you're the greatest teacher on the face of the earth. Oh, well, that's nice of her. And so I'll tell her that your new name is Hadge, and she can start <laughs> calling you that. She can raise her hand with a question and address me that way. She really does yeah. love you and think she wants to be you when she grows up. <laughs> You'd think she'd want to be like her father. She does. I'll work on her. Yeah. Okay. If you would, that'd be great. <laughs> I'll work on her. Uh, um, Heather Ann Johnson is an adjunct faculty member here at BYU, and she's been teaching us that as a family, we should sit down and be intentional about setting some new goals as a family. You've been teaching us how to do that. Sure. Healthy habits, right? We need habits. We need uh, we need to change. We need to get healthy as a family, physically, socially, emotionally, spiritually. Right. So. Uh, what do we do now? So we've set some goals, right? We've worked through kind of how we're going to do that, the sweet spots and the hot spots. We know that slow and steady is going to help us. So it's Always not going to happen overnight. That's right. yeah, it's not going to happen overnight. And we recognize the need to teach our kids in particular the difference between short-term and long-term, yeah. right? Kids have got to get – because that's the, that's the metaphor of um, the gardening kind of metaphor or the law of the harvest mm-hmm. metaphor. The law of the harvest is always going to teach us – that it's going to be long-term. we got to go for the long-term play, not always the quick fix. Always that quick fix. And when it comes to habits, that's what we need. We have to see that there is a long-term uh, yeah. you know, benefit that comes from these habits. And so when we look at that too, you know, it's easy to choose again the short-term. Even if we're trying to have more meaningful family dinners, we know what it's like to watch our favorite TV show while we eat, yeah. so we choose it. We don't yet know what it's like to have a great conversation with our family over dinner because we've never been there. Yeah, we haven't done that yet. We haven't done that and yet. And you know why? Dancing with our star, with the stars. Because <laughs> it's always on. There show ruins more family dinners. Anyway. <laughs> that one in particular. So we've got we've to look at that long-term and short-term. And we're going to help our children especially understand that. So once we've done that, we're going to start reinforcing the good decisions. And this is where we reward ourselves along the way. If we come to our families with these you know, healthy habits and these goals we set and we say, okay, in two years when we finally get there, well, then we're going to celebrate. Yeah. It's not going to no, work. We've, it's not. You'll be exhausted. We've got to go little by little. And a really cool way when we look for these milestones, when we look for rewards – Take another goal we have and use that to reward the goal that we just accomplished. That's cool. So, for example, uh, maybe you have some physical goals and maybe you start to reach them. Instead of saying, okay, we're going to eat healthy and because we did for a week, now we're going to eat chocolate cake or go get ice cream. Make the reward maybe a fun night with another family and work on your social. That's cool. So look at those other areas where you have goals and use those to then reward yourself mm-hmm. in the areas that you're accomplishing. I mean, it, you you're going to take trips as well. I mean, you could say, <laughs> let's go, now that we're in better shape, let's go do this hike right. in Yosemite National sure. Forest. Sure, and take that trip together. Anything, you just don't want to take whatever the negative was that you're trying to change right. and reintroduce it as a reward. Yeah, That's what there we're trying to avoid. Yeah. So we've said that, and it's just a really good way to start at the beginning, narrow it down, really narrow for your family to choose those habits that they want to change, and then work through changing. Now you're teaching your family, your kids, how to set a goal and make a movement and a change. I right. mean, what could really be more important than this? It, it 
it really is the most important because they need it in every area of yeah, their life. Yeah, this isn't going away. Right. From school to work to relationships to parent anything, yeah. they need these types of things. So we've got that. Let's talk about kind of just some overall health for, for healthy cool. habits. We know first that parents have to set a really good example. Oh, I've heard that. I know. And we hear it every time kind of back to start with setting goals, but we have to demonstrate it. Our healthy habits in these four areas or in any area have to be a lifestyle, not just a one-day hit and Sure, right. And kids have to see that from us. They have to see that. So we've got to start there. So if you're pulling a muscle every time you go out and play, right. Right. you're saying to just keep doing it. No. You're saying to die. Or maybe start those really healthy physical habits so you don't <sighs> pull muscles when you sweep garages. Great point. Right? So we work that way too. Okay. That's another way to do to it. To be a really good example. So we're looking for these lifestyle changes, but these lifestyle changes have to start with us. That's right. We have to model yeah. those things. We have to model them. Now, there's some great research that shows us that if parents are active, children are more likely to be active. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. And the flip side is also true. If parents are less active or inactive, children are less likely to be active. Now, this just isn't in general. It applies to our overall lifestyle, Mm. but it applies to very specific activities also. So, for example, uh, I grew up playing a lot of sports, doing a lot of things, but something that my parents didn't introduce were risky activities. Yes. Like jumping out of planes, Mm -hmm. jumping off of cliffs. Throwing knives. Throwing knives. We didn't do those things. And um, motorcycles, guns. Oh, see, you missed out. <laughs> my husband says that too. But those weren't things – they were not bad. No. And my parents didn't say they were bad. They weren't things we were active in though. My yeah. parents weren't active in those things. So they didn't teach us to be active in those specific you activities. Your first thought wasn't, hey, get your gun. Right. It, it just let's wasn't. Go shoot it guns. was more go grab your tennis racket yeah. or you know, uh, let's go hit a baseball. And so we have to understand as parents that whatever we're active in, we actually are teaching our children to like or dislike those types of activities because of us. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of good in that, right? Yeah. But there's also some negative. And the reason the negative comes up is if we teach them to be closed-minded, which we don't want to do. No. But it also turns negative when our children start to grow up and they need some of those activities because that's what's good for them. You bet. But we don't allow it. So maybe I didn't grow up dancing. Mm -hmm. But I have a daughter who wants to dance dance. or is passionate about it. I need to be open-minded enough that even though I was inactive in that activity, to allow her to seek out that activity. See, camping. Okay, camping. Not a camper. Great example. Not a camper. Me neither. Why? Why would God give us a house if he wanted us (laughs) camping out in the woods? Or why for a vacation do you want to sleep in a tent with no showers and dirt? Point taken. When you can be in a bed with a shower and exactly. clean towels. Dancing. It's exactly right. <laughs> See? So it's... Yeah. I, so I understand- my kids are like, why don't we ever go fishing? Right. And I'm like... Uh, I don't know. Right. You freeze because you weren't active in That's that right. growing up. No. It's not something you know. It's not something you I was like. actually way active in it, but I didn't like it. Okay. So because... Fish are gross. They're dirty. They're sure. smelly. And you have to gut them and you'd yeah. rather buy them in a store sure. already ready why to Why gut them when you can go to, you know... The neighborhood store. Sure. So because of your inactivity, which is totally normal, that's not something they're introduced right. to. Right. So as parents, we have to address that. Camping is one very much for our family. We didn't grow up doing it all the time like some families, but my parents made sure we learned how. Yeah. So that it was a skill we had if we needed it. There you go. You know, I, I can dig my own toilet. I can do all that really? stuff. Really? But I don't ever want to have to. That's good. Right? That's good. Now, do we need to teach our children these activities? Apparently. Some of them, yes. (laughs) That's what they say. Right? Yeah. Some of them, no, but some of them, yes. So just recognize that our activity level in specifics and in our lifestyle 
is a direct reflection then back on how our children become active or not active and what they like and don't. Yeah, and we're setting them up because they'll either love or hate certain things. That's exactly right. Mm. And so we have to be really careful there. That's big. So other things that we need to know for general habit health for families, we want to always celebrate with activities and opportunities and not with food. Oh, Lots of our healthy habits in families are based around improving what we eat and our physical activity, especially because our lifestyles have become so sedentary. So it's natural that when we do something good, the reward is always let's go get ice cream. Let's eat something. Or let's eat something. Or let's make something. or Grab some chips. Right. Right. Instead, let's celebrate with activities and, again, opportunities. So we don't want to use food as incentives if we want healthy families. That's good. Right? We want to steer clear of that. Other things, we want to understand that our activities as a family form our identity. Mm. What you do with your family growing up forms the identity that you carry with you, That's especially true. into adolescence That's and true. then as an adult. So in particular, I can remember my grandfather played baseball here at BYU. Oh, really? My dad played baseball here. My brothers both played baseball here. You're a baseball family. Baseball was very much a part of what we did. Now, it wasn't an obsession that took over every other area. Mm-hmm. It was just an excite, a passion, a yeah. great thing that we were introduced to. This very much became a family identity. So you, the boys, I guess, were athlete foot, baseball players, and you were groupies. <laughs> so I actually played softball and other sports player. for a lot of. See, you years. became the ball. <clears throat> See, that's a huge identity, right? Isn't it? And that was our identity. Now, here's what identity does for families through activities, and this is why it keeps us healthy as a healthy family. This identity helps us feel as though we belong to there something, right? So even if we look at a family activity like baseball or athletics or doing these right. things together, if I went out and had a lousy day on the baseball diamond or you know the tennis court, which my dad was very familiar with and did poorly, performed poorly, when I came home, I knew I had someone there who knew what there it was like to strike out three times in That's one right. day. He knew it. My you dad relate. knew. Right. He also knew if I had a great day at the plate and hit a home run, he knew what that elation felt like. And so there was always something or someone to relate to in my That's daily experiences. Huge, right. So these healthy habits of activity level or what we do or what we're engaged in, they not only create the identity, but then they give us a place mm-hmm. to come back and bond to or bond with. Hunters, you know, we're understood. Musicians. Uh, dancers, whatever Anything. I mean, whatever it is, it and it really to is. You, you now are that you're a member of a gang. Really, that's exactly right. That's and it's cool. this gang that supports you, good or yeah, bad, and they get you because they know what it feels like. That's a big deal. The other thing about this is these activities that form our identity. If we don't help our children find this identity and find these activities before they hit their adolescence, when they're seeking for it, they're gonna find a group that a groupie that will yeah. accept them, and it's not gonna be great. That's right. Because if they don't find a place in these other experiences that that identify them, they're going to find a place to identify, and it's usually drugs, delinquent behavior. What if? Yeah. So what if you're as parents not creating opportunities for them to have a shared identity with everyone? That's exactly right. And so we have to. That's we a have big to deal. constantly create opportunities uh-huh. for our children. But that's church too. We go identity. to church as mm-hmm. families. We go. We we mm-hmm. socialize together. I mean, there's a lot of things as families that makes right? that that can be the activity, right? That form that identity, and it doesn't have to just be physical. Um, it could be like you said, you know, the music back to those talents. It could be that your family loves to read together. Uh-huh. Or anything goes here. That's awesome. But it's a place where we belong, and so we develop these healthy habits over time, and that gives us that identity. See, and no we need one, that. no one thinks like this. This is what makes you different. Well, it's because it, I mean I know that's the research, powerful. but that's it is. But, that is 
if you're going to tie your family to something, right. tie them to this identity mm-hmm. of what we are as a family. Right. And for a lot of us, I know for us, you know, I didn't grow up in, in Utah, so there wasn't a lot of LDS members around. And so being LDS, that was very much an identifier yeah. for us. Yeah. People knew me by my religion yeah. and they knew us because we played baseball. Those that's things cool. brought our family together and tied us one to another. Yeah. And that's what we want. And these habits over time create that. But you could also create, oh, you're the one. That, are you the one where the cops always show up at your house? Right. right. And it's exactly yep. right. Yep. It's, that's us. That, that is. That's us. Are you guys the ones that are always in trouble? Yep. That's are you, you the ones that cook meth? Right. Yep. That's us. <laughs> Families that cook together. There you go. Um, Stay together. I, I guess we got to wrap it up. But this, <laughs> this is – this is a big deal. This isn't to play with. This is this is your family's – this is your children's identity. It is. And it's life-changing. If we can create these habits that form identities for our family and start again by looking at the needs and values that your families have and then start to plug in activities and events and experiences that turn your routines, your everyday into yeah. rituals by adding that meaning – and form that family identity, and it it ties us to one another. Oh yeah, it creates those healthy habits. If one kid goes outside, and then we all go outside, those are the best nights ever. They are as a family, and, well, they and then we go in and we all have right. to rub dad's legs and his back because <laughs> you pulled your hammies. I don't know why. <laughs> I do know why, but I don't want to talk about it. Heather, you're the best. Oh, it's good to be here. Hadge is her name. <laughs> Except for the nicknames. We could do without the nicknames. The nicknames. But see, I, I've called you everything. You, I know. We we haven't found a good one yet. we got to keep working. Yeah. Hot Pepper. We've talked about the Peppa. We, we, She's a hot pepper. We've worked through them all. She's a great uh, resource, folks. Go to her website, familyvolley.com. Uh, also, you got to go check out her book, Family Fun Fridays. Go to her website. It's all there. Heather Ann Johnson's her name. We'll be right back. And we're going to wrap this show up. Our bad habits. We've asked Maddie to explore her bad habits and talk to us about all of her bad habits. Should be a great, great segment. Up next on the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We are Defying Gravity, that song right there, sung by Maddie Richards uh, from the wonderful uh, play Wicked. Yes, that is me. That was a beautiful voice. Thank you. Uh, Maddie Richard is here, and uh, this just in, apparently you are not going to be sharing all of your bad habits. No, I think you made that up on the spot. Probably. It's not what I wrote down for you. You never okay. read what I write down for you. Yeah. That's a bad habit. There's, I have a lot of papers because Heather <laughs> gives me like Heather gives me two novels that I have to read. <laughs> it's because she's so good. AKA Hadge. You don't have to read them. <laughs> I do too. They're fascinating. So Maddie's you're gonna teach us ten bad habits that we can kick today. Yes. Even ten. though Hadge, Heather Ann Johnson, told us it takes sixty six days to break a habit. No, to create a healthy habit. Oh, yeah, to create a healthy That's habit. That's to create a habit. These okay. are ones that, I mean, I'm going to give you a list of 10 bad habits okay. that you can, you know, start working towards getting rid of so, right now. Let's just see if we have any of them. I mean, the odds are we don't probably have these habits. No, you're, well. But we're doing this for the other people out there that are riddled actually, with bad habits. Actually, I hate to tell habits. you this, Matt, but number one, I wrote specifically for you. Oh, <laughs> Well, way to be direct. Um, Number one is nail biting. Ah, blasted. 
Uh, Did you Matt, just look at my nails? No, Matt yeah. bites his nails, I bite my like nails. nobody's business. I bite them like they're they're corn chips. Yes, you. I got, 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 got. <laughs> Do you need I, to eat one? No, you know what? I don't. But see, what happens is when I grow them, I can grow them out anytime you want. I can grow them out for about two to three. But once they get long and they're hanging over my fingers, bugs me. So you just gotta. So cut I just your start ripping them off, often. and I've just found it's easier to just bite them. Put a little salt on them. Num, num, num. <laughs> so that's one bad habit. Okay, no, why? Why do you need to stop that? Why do we need to Actually, stop it? Actually, my doctor said I need to stop yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's really not good. It's not attractive. It's not healthy. Have it's... you heard about Ebola? Yes. It will give you Ebola if you bite your nails. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, you that's have to be they, around somebody. That's what they told me. But if you ingest... <laughs> But he just said, you're going to get more sicknesses. No, and, you get more sicknesses. Yeah. It's not attractive. It's not well, good you for your fingers. You know what else? It's, but it's very stealthy because I'm right now, you can't even hear it, but I'm tapping the table and it's just it's just nubbins. Don't yeah. they start to hurt though? No. They don't hurt. Mine are all cut. But you're nail biting to the is a bad habit. If you have that bad habit, decide today. Are you judging my habit? No, I'm saying that's one bad habit you can decide to okay. get rid, get, well, get rid of Well, Well, right sure. Now. That's easier said than done. All of these are probably easier said okay. than done, but I'm saying pick one. You pick one. <laughs> I am going to pick one of these. I will tell okay. you. Number okay. two, complaining. Oh, see, that is so you. <laughs> oh, you're funny. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, that's complaining a is habit. a bad habit. That's a bad habit. And you, if you, I feel like if we are I mean, unless it's your hamstring these, or your oh, oblique. Yeah, no. Or your plantar fasciitis. Or your plantar. Man. No, but I feel like when you recognize that, okay, I have a bad habit of biting my nails or complaining and you remind yourself more consistently, you're going to be able to kick it. So mm. that's what our goal is today is to pick a bad habit to kick it. So complaining is one of that. One pick of those, a bad habit and kick it. Yeah. Complaining is one of those bad habits to start reminding yourself to be more positive, be more. Because people aren't going to like you. Yeah, exactly. And then you got to go bite your nails. Yeah. and Because be you're all alone. It's a tangled web. Number three, spending money you don't have. Oh, uh, yeah. That's a bad one. That's a big one. But I, I think it can start really small with buying something at the grocery store that you don't necessarily need. Yeah. Going out to dinner when you can't really afford yeah. to, but everyone else is just going. Borrow, you just borrow a little money. Just borrow money. Yeah, yeah. So the goal habit. is to stop spending that money until you can actually afford to do that. Don't buy it till you can pay for it. Yeah, exactly. It's good. All right, next one. Judging. Mm-hmm. Judge judging not. others. Yes. It's a good one. I've, heard, I've read that somewhere. <laughs> I think that, yeah, I don't remember where. It's in the Bible. But that's just, it's just a bad habit to look at someone and automatically snap, make yeah. a decision about who they are or mm-hmm. what kind of clothes they're wearing or what their Can hair looks like. you believe she's wearing that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not enough of that. Ew. Next Ew. <laughs> the next one is not sleeping enough. This is a really bad habit that a lot of people I think are probably. How much is enough? Because my wife. Seven to eight hours. There's mine. Yes. If I have to choose today, that's Is mine. that your bad habit? Yeah. Absolutely. Too Seven much to or too little? Hours. Oh, too little. See, my wife thinks I sleep plenty. Does she? But See, I and that's think the next I need bad more habit. sleep. That's yeah. the next one, sleeping too much. That sounds like my husband. Is that a bad habit? Yeah, it is. Being lazy. Well, no, but what, you, what is good for you is not good for me. Like, I might need I might need 12 hours. I don't think anyone needs 12 With a nap hours. in the afternoon. With a nap, oh, yeah. Because, <laughs> boy, when I sleep 12 hours, no. I need a nap. Seven you're to eight hours is so the goal. Tired. So if you're sleeping too much or too little, it's oh, probably a bad man. habit. And who's sleeping too much? It's just being lazy. I feel like... Oh, see, now you're judging. No, I'm not. I'm not judging. No. <laughs> like this, yeah, we just had four days off, and I do not feel rested. Really? And my 12 hours isn't enough? <laughs> no. Next one. Playing video games. 
That's a bad habit. This is a bad habit. A uh, Sean just put his bad, I know. Down. Sean's mad at me. But this is, can be a really bad habit if you don't know how to do it in moderation. Yeah. If you don't know how to control, be accept, be okay with the fact that, okay, we've got to have dinner now. We're done. Yeah. This is a bad habit that can – I feel like starts with kids that you can help help your kids I, get out I of agree. that bad habit right now. That's a huge one for newlyweds right now too. Oh, I believe oh, yeah. yeah. It's a really, really big deal. It does a lot of damage to yeah. James, are you listening? Couples. Yes. I mean, just hypothetically, in case... In case you're addicted to video games. Or in case the knife set may lead you to a... <laughs> to video games. To a video game addiction. Uh-huh. Or to being a newlywed. Yeah. Oh. Well. <laughs> he gave his girlfriend knives, That's which you right. know is the precursor to, to a ring. There you go. Once you're given metal... <laughs> so it's any metal. Yeah. The any ring metal. is Even knives. if they're sharp and A shovel. <laughs> a pick. <laughs> yeah. Anything. All right. The next one. Driving too fast. Man, this is a really bad habit that I. This is mine that I need to work on. I drive way too fast all the time, and it's a miracle I've never been pulled over. But yeah. I, it's nothing. You haven't a never. Are you kidding? I'm really good at looking for cops as well. Yeah, I'll I'll send them your way. <laughs> okay, I gave thanks. that up when we had kids. They stopped. Me yeah, a I need lot. to yeah. I need to start slowing down. Okay, you only got one more. I have two more. Okay, I'll be fast. Interrupting other people. What was that? <laughs> exactly. That's my favorite joke. And then the last one is just a very personal for me. Slouching. Mm. Slouching. Stand up straight. I've been in ballet since I was three, so we so always were told that you had to stand up straight. So I've learned that from a young age. But that's a pretty bad habit that I think that's easy to remind yourself to sit up straight. Sit up. Straight. I was eight out of ten. On your list. Yeah, you have eight of those ten bad habits that you can kick to. I think your list is off. <laughs> I think I had you in mind. That sounds like me. <laughs> yeah, I was actually like, what are Matt's bad habits? That is so judgmental. Number three. <laughs> You're complaining. It was number four. Oh, that was number four. <laughs> you know what? That's the problem with habits. I know. It's too hard. Hey, It's um, not too hard. You can do it. Well done, Maddie. Thank you. Way to, way to make me feel better. <laughs> and thanks to you, Heather and Johnson. A.K.A. Hadge. Good to be here. Nobody can, uh, you know, pull your hammies <laughs> quite like Heather. If you can. need help with your hammies, <laughs> let me know. Okay, folks, that's the show. Hope you got uh, something out of it. That, you know, lot a lot of growing here. Here's a great quote by Josh Billings to take us out. To bring up a child in the way he should go, travel that way yourself once in a while. Right, great advice. Hey, on the show tomorrow, those strengths that you know you have, you can use them to become healthier. Tune in tomorrow to find out how. We're out of here, my friends. Thanks for joining us again. We're excited to uh, to be here every Monday through Friday talking about tools to give you a leg up in life. Join us again tomorrow right here on the same show, on the Matt Townsend Show, tomorrow on BYU Radio.